All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do not... Uh, adjust your sets. Do not call your cable or internet provider. Don't blame this on Elon Musk. I am Rob Kerr in for vacationing Ryan Pinder and Dean Mulberg. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I'm here. Thank God Retro's here. And thank God Cam Moon from the Edmonton Oilers is what? This is a crazy we show. We don't need any more. <laughs> Are we adding more boxes? Oilers is that talk. what we're doing? We a lot of oiler talk. A lot of oiler talk yesterday, Rob. Too much. A bit much. Right? A bit much. How are you, sir? Yes. How do we find you today? We're doing pretty good. Uh, bright and sunny skies here in Buffalo, so the weather's nice and everybody's feeling pretty good. Yourself? Well, we got a little skiff of snow. So woke up with no. a little white stuff on the bar. Yeah, on the roof. That's mostly gone now. Just a reminder where we are and who we are. But yeah, little little reminder. Yeah, now it's supposed to go to twenty seven next week, but that's probably the most Calgary thing of Calgary things, right? That that doesn't seem odd at all. <laughs> you live there, you get used to it. Other people, I think there was a point a couple months ago where it swung like forty degrees overnight. Yep. I tried telling people that here, and they're like, "What do you what 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 do you mean? Like that's that that, that can't happen." I'm like. That's how it operates up there. It it's Shaducks. it is. It's it's what we live with. Although I, I I do have, and am I using the term correct? Lake effect snow. 
Uh, we don't get the lake yes. effect snow here, right? So, it, well, the lake effect snow will shut you down for sure. <laughs> I tell people though, Rob, and yep. you might not know, like, it's not a shot. We don't get the snow that they get here. I understand why the city of Calgary doesn't own snow removal equipment. Yes. In Buffalo, there are major, everyone has a plow and a tractor and a dump truck, and you'll get 12 feet of snow, and they'll have the roads cleared in 24 hours. It's amazing. It, it is, but, but it's it's life in northern New York, right? You just, that's what you've come to. Yes. Yeah. Um. We have Tommy Wielden Jr. joining us here at the top of the hour. Uh, are you? I I don't know this about you. Are you a big footy fan? Do you have a Do you have a team? Are you a you know? Were you sequestered behind closed doors during the World Cup? Where, where's your fandom when it comes to soccer? I I love soccer. Love okay. the game of of footy or footy, football, football or whatever you yeah. want to call it. Yep. Uh, it I didn't grow up playing it. Really, I've never played it other than maybe with my nine-year-old in the backyard. But I had an Italian buddy mm-hmm. in Saskatoon, and the I think it was the World Cup here in the States, and I think the Italians played Brazil in, like, 90, early 90s. Yeah. And I was invited over to his place, and they had the whole crew, and the, it was the world, it was the final. And I actually said to him one day, I said, we're going to go to that one day. And in 2006, me and him and two other buddies, we all went over to Germany and watched the World Cup and had a blast of a time. One of the best sporting events. Well, probably the best sporting event I've ever uh, been part of. Yeah, I I don't know what it would be different, right? It's I'm not sure you could compare it like you. You wouldn't compare it to a Super Bowl. You wouldn't compare it to a World Series. You know, it's just a different feel and a different event when it's the entire world. And and we were in a great spot. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes it moves around, so you maybe don't know what city or what, yeah. what you're going to get into. But in Germany, it was awesome. It operated so good. You got the trains. You got the good beer. You got the passionate fans. Yeah. Wonderful event. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to talking. to talk. We were talking earlier about weather. It looks like 23 degrees on Sunday for their home opener. So. I'm sure if we talk to Tommy, the four previous home openers probably haven't been that nice. Or uh, a couple of them, I think, were wet. But I'm just going off the top of my head. So this is a nice change or a a nice weekend. I think. I think the first game ever, uh, Boomer and I took a couple of our bratty kids and went and watched. And there was, like you said, there was a bit of uh, there was a skiff of snow that day as well. Sure. Well, again. It's it's Calgary, uh, where I'm live in the. We're hardy uh, folk. Right, right. We're hardy folks. We're live in the Tower Chrysler uh, studio. Consumer Choice Award winner, voted Calgary's favorite Chrysler Dodge dealer. Nine or one oh nine zero one McLeod Trail South, and at TowerChrysler.com. Um, before we get to Tommy, any burning thoughts, ideas? I mean, we can get into it afterwards. But just two games in the play in the Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Uh, Florida stays alive, and and lo and behold, here are the Seattle Kraken. Who knew? Uh, leading the defending Stanley Cup champions now three games to two. That Kachuk guy seems to be involved again, and <laughs> and every time you see it, you're like you cringe a little bit because you overtime nobody winner. wanted to see him go. Nope. Yeah, and and the Seattle team. I've talking with Boom and and Pinder recently. 
I didn't pay a lot of attention to him this year. No. I don't know that I watched a full Seattle Kraken game. Yep. I've watched some of the periods now. Yep. They're pretty fun to watch. Fast, aggressive, and they don't stop. Go, 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 go. They're they're great. Their top line with a young guy, Matty Beneers, and then Jordan Eberle. And I stop there and I go, Jordan Eberle? He's been around for a long time. He's bounced around. And not not to take anything away from him. He's got local ties and he, you no. know, he's a good pro. But he's not, you know, McKinnon. It's, you're, you're not going up against one of the premier number one lines in the National Hockey League. But it's more of a pack mentality, right? Like, they just, they play that system where one line is going to be like the next line, right? They swarm you and yeah. swarm you and swarm you and go and repeat. And they've got, it sure looks like they got Colorado flustered and frustrated. Something's not right there. There, and I know Landis Cog's not there. McCarr had the suspension last night. No Nakushkin. And, and I think you had Frank on yesterday. And, and I'm wondering a little bit if there isn't a distraction going on there because they do look a little bit like a distracted team, don't they? They could be. I also wondered if. It's not easy to repeat. No. Right? Like, they, they had a long run last year, and I think they're a great team, and this and that. You lose your captain. Mm-hmm. McCart. But even w- without the injuries and the suspensions, I think it's just real hard to get your energy level to the point it was at last year. Yeah. That burn, that desire, the old eye of the tiger, com- you know? Yep, feeling. I do. I just, it's it's hard to duplicate, and if you're five to ten percent off, even though you think you know you're still going pretty good, but if you're five or ten percent off of what you were last year, yeah, it ain't going to happen for you. Yeah, well, it, it kind of makes what Tampa's done the last couple of years that much more credible, right? I mean, it took forever for somebody to to win back to back. Pittsburgh, you know, did it what back in sixteen seventeen. It hadn't been done in a long time. Now they went back to back against Detroit, but didn't win both. But to your point. I mean, how it even worse than that, Rhett, it's the teams that don't that make it to the finals that don't win. The, the history of that next season and and their results are is not really good either. No, I've got to experience that. It is not it's yeah. not easy to come back after going that far and then spend the summer living a life full of disappointment. You know, right. and everyone's like, oh well you got there and stuff. It's like, no, no, I didn't want to get there. Right. I wanted to win. Exactly. And now I spent the summer not sipping out of the silver chalice, <laughs> just licking my wounds. So it's you're beat the piss and you don't have anything positive to think about all summer. You're mad. It's hard to get the emotions back to where they need to be. Right. I, and I, I was not intention. It was not my intention. My intention was more of like Nashville. I just remember Nashville a couple of years ago. It just seemed like they were building and building and building and they finally get to a Stanley Cup. And then the next year, it just, you know, they've never been the same since, right? Same thing with San Jose, right? San Jose were the the after runs for so many years. They finally get to that cup. And, you know, since then, it just, they've fallen off. It's hard. Well, and it's, it's extremely hard. And that's, you know, what you talked about. Tampa doing it three years in a row. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, and, and and to the point where you're, I'm not surprised at all to see them maybe not play as well. Although I, <laughs> up four one, they could could be doing just fine if they hadn't squandered a few leads. But uh, 
everything has to go your way. You have to have the emotion. You have to have the excitement. You have to have the skill. You can't get injured. There's just so much to it. So much to it. Is it? Because we repeated on this side of the microphone, you lived it. Is there something to the the old axiom about the first round being the hardest? I, yes, I think there is. I don't know why it's that way, right? Because well, you go and you play, you go to the Stanley Cup final, and it's not easy to. But I, I just think that there's a lot. There's so much emotion and there's so yeah. much going on. You haven't lived that life. I mean, you at, at minimum, you lived it a year earlier. And just and, and it just seems like a long road. Mm-hmm. Really? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and you kind of got to get on that. You got to get that train started down the track. Yeah. And once you can do that and get through the first round, well, now you got some momentum behind you and it helps to carry you a little bit. I, I just always felt like, you know, it, it, it's almost, not to use the World Cup analogy, but everybody's in it. There's eight games and 16 teams and everybody's talking about it. The fans have enthusiasm. The reporters have, everybody's got enthusiasm. And by the end of the first round, wow, what a great first round. And then by the time we get to the second round, now we're eight teams and four series. And, you know, we've been well, doing this for a couple and, weeks and, now. And the other thing, yeah, and the other thing that can happen is that you have to work your ass off to get there. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. There's a lot of times where you're looking at the standings. You're going, we got to win five out of eight to get into the f- playoffs and just, just to get there. And it's like, holy. And then the playoffs start, and it's like, oh, my God, we're still going. This is still hard. So there, it's <laughs> there's a lot, lots of pressure that goes with all of it. I don't know why some teams are able to handle it better than others, but. Those teams like Tampa that go year after year, that's not luck. Well, it's depth and health, right? Depth and health. You got to have health, and then if you don't, you got to have depth. Pretty straightforward, right? Um, I think, do we have Tommy? Close? We'll find out in a second. You know... This is a good time, though, to talk about Bonton Meat Market, don't you think? I think it's a good, uh, well, when's I, it, when's it always, not a good time, right? Always for me. Always? <laughs> yeah. What was it, two weeks ago, I came in here and you guys had this big spread of everything. Ribs and potatoes. I mean, nobody takes better care of this crew than Greg. Like, it's amazing, right? It's, well, and it's hard to do the job because he sends it in and then you start stuffing your face and by half hour into the show, you want to put your head on a pillow and <laughs> close your eyes. Uh, the original Bonton Meat Market opened its doors back in 1921. All they've done since then is provide the highest quality product and treat customers like family. The best AAA Alberta beef, free-range poultry, great uh, grain-fed Alberta lamb, milk-fed veal, and fresh Alberta pork. Once again, Bonton was voted Calgary Consumer Choice Award winner for the best deli meal market, deli meat market. Easy to find, 28 Crowfoot Circle Northwest, bontonmeatmarket.com. We will visit with uh, Tommy Wielden Jr. here in a, in a little while, but as well, we will be giving away tickets. You get to give away prizes on this show. I like that. I usually have nothing to do with it, but I'm all for it. Well, we're going to give away some tickets. I, I think that's going to be fun. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, you know what, I'll, Hey, I, uh, need yeah. you, I need you to fill me in. Mm-hmm. 
because it's it's tough to get Calgary Wrangler update here in Buffalo, New York. What? Uh, how was the crowd, and what were the results? Uh, in overtime, three two, Jacob Pelche with the winner. So Calgary tapes game one. Nice. Um, the crowd was good. I suspect that it's going to be much better on Friday. Uh, at puck drop, it was a little bit thin in the lower bowl. Um, and you'll remember a couple like way back a decade ago when the the, the Hitman went on their run uh, to the to the finals. And it, by the middle of the the second third round, the dome was really starting to fill up. I wonder if that's not what we're going to see. Um, Dustin Wolf was good. There's uh, a little bit of old fashioned animosity. Uh, between these clubs, they played quite a bit down the last bit of the stretch. But no, um, kind of a fluky goal for Calgary to open up the scoring. And, and then it was just tight hockey the rest of the way. They go to overtime and, and Pelche, uh, just nice move across the blue line, got to the middle of the ice and, and beat Spencer Martin from a fair distance. But a good goal, nothing wrong with it. And it's up one nothing uh, heading into game two of this best of five on Friday. Now, what do you think about the, because Pinder brought it up and thought of, he said it was cool. And I said it was ridiculous. The schedule and how yeah. it works. The two, three. I, um, I like it because it gives you something to talk about, right? Like, you know, what, what would you do? You know, would you rather have the three games or would you rather have the two? Um, I was talking to somebody who knows Mitch Love really well. And, and he said, hands down, Mitch Love wants the first two. He wants to go, you know, put his your foot on the throat so to speak and then just have to win one on the road so i i like it because it's a debate right but it's one of those debates too that you can overthink you know i i guess the equivalent in the nhl would be you know do you want two two one one and one or would you rather have two three and two right in a best of seven yeah i I just feel bad for a team that worked their ass off (laughs) If it goes to five, they don't get their crowd behind them. Yeah. Or last chain. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I thought I was missing something, but a, a, a lot of conversations like this about, you know, what do you do? And to me, it opens up that exactly what you just said is it opens up some, yeah. you know, second guessing. If, if this thing goes to five and you're playing next Sunday in Abbotsford, you know, and that's the other thing is they play Wednesday, Friday, and they don't play game three until next Wednesday and Friday. Until Wednesday. Yeah. I know a lot. Yeah. Goofy. But, uh, but you know, what are you going to draw? Well, I guess you could have played Sunday in Abbotsford. Probably would have been a good draw. Right? Yeah. I, and that's one of the things that I don't consider so much because I'm so far away from it is that those teams to need to fill the buildings as much as possible. So give them good days to host i guess but well and that's what i said <laughs> it about, seems a little off but. that's what i said about that you asked about the crowd you know looking at the crowd last night yeah. mm, you know i was i really thought it was going to be a lot fuller but i think it will be on friday and i think it will be the further you know it goes that that to me i'm just going on what the hitman used to do when they got rolling right the further they went the bigger the crowds got first round was always hard to yeah. fill for the hitman so you want to talk a little footy with our pal should we do that? Let's do it. All right. Uh, this Sunday out at Atco Field, uh, the Cavalry will kick off their home part of their schedule in their fifth season. They host the Valor at 3 o'clock. The weather looks gorgeous, 23 degrees. Very pleased to, uh, well, invite in our, our good friend, dear friend, longtime friend, Tommy Wielden Jr., the manager of the Cavalry of the CPL. There he is. How are you, sir? 
Hey, gents. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on. Um, welcome back to Calgary, Rhett. Yeah, no, I'm at, I was back in Calgary, and now I'm back in Buffalo, and then I'll be back in Calgary. So I'm going back and forth now. I'm no longer banned from my country, so I could travel a little bit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Always a little concerned about the legal part of this. Um, Tommy, let's talk about the, the start of the season so far. We can deal with a couple of the off-season changes in a minute, but uh, you've already got two under mm-hmm. your belt in terms of the CPL, but you've also played a little can- – uh, Canadian championships uh thought on what you've seen from your squad so far it's been a good start because it it was never going to be easiest on the schedule playing the defending champions first um I thought we were very good and you know unlucky not to win it really to be honest but that's a a learning moment for us in terms of closing out the game um the can champ uh really good tough conditions The, the wet and the rain makes a difference but it was a different experience for us lads were good PKs is always a lottery, unfortunately, and you know, one penalty, one penalty kick away from being in the next round. That's uh, always a tough one to swallow. Um, but I thought we had a, a, we were good considering we were a bit depleted on the Sunday game. Uh, showed a different side of us where our defence actually had to grind out the point for us because we weren't great with the ball. But what I've seen over the course of these three games is character, and and you know, you can have all the X's and O's and all the technique and that, but. I need to know how many of these guys are willing to suffer on the road and pick up more points. Because this time last year, you know, we lost two out of the first three on the road and ended up, you know, could have won the league by two points. That was the difference in the fine margin. So, you know, it's a good way to start. Um, We come back and we had a terrific home record last year and that does give us a lift in front of our fans. So um, at least we've got points on the board and nobody really in the league right now is winning much. Right. You know, the first place team is only two points ahead of us. So it's, um, and that's who we play on the weekend. So it's, uh, it's, it's in our hands. Five years in, I I mean, I go back to Don Matthews when he was coaching in the CFL. He said, you know, you really don't know what you have until week four. You know, I, I buy into the old Peter Marr benchmark in the NHL that really the, the first quarter of the season isn't as important as the second quarter. The second quarter of the season is when you really get a good gauge on your team. What's your benchmark? When do you feel like you can really get an honest evaluation of your team? Yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. For me, it's it's kind of that, you know, play everyone once. Hmm. And I think, it, you know, and, and varies home and away. And once we played everyone once, the first thing we learn about ourselves, how we are on the road against them, how we are at home against a different group, um, but how we are in both environments. Because, you know, to win out on a 28-game season where we play everyone four times, we've you, you, you can take those those games to, to heart and then build from there. So, yeah, I like to see the first seven games gives us a lay of the land. And then from there, you know, we can build on or improve on as we need. Right. Oh, okay. I hope I didn't insult him. That's it. He's, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> bored him with a football talk. No, no, he's not bored at all. He was excited you were coming on. Um, let's go back to the offseason. Um, Mason Trafford uh, hangs him up. Tell us a little bit about the changes that you've had and, and what you've had to uh, add this year as you get ready for year number five. Well, and that's the thing we've we've looked at. You know, in the offseason, you always spend that time reflecting, you know, how, how close we were. Um, but you also look at winning in other ways. And as a club, this is the first season we've been able to go back to back without any pandemic. You look at 2019, we had a really promising opening season. 
And then, you know, obviously the pandemic hit us all. And then 2021 was broken. So 2022, you know, was a real season. Now we're going back to back. And with that, players age out. But, you know, something that myself and our president, Ian Allison, had always talked about is how do we build this club for the future? So this is not just a one season, let's go and try and win a championship. This is something that we want to be a legacy at Spruce Meadows, a legacy within Canadian football and helping change that landscape. You and I have oh, chatted yeah. for years on these things. Yeah. So our big picture, Rob, is always right. How do we build that infrastructure? And Mason Trafford was our captain last year and a terrific professional. Um, he's kind of like that Mark Giordano type, mm-hmm. you know, that he's Mr. Reliable uh, week in, week out. Um, what we saw was other qualities. So, you know, we saw him, he had a very entrepreneurial entrepreneurial brain, um, very organized, great at building relationships. So we felt he was a great fit in our, in our front office as our commercial director, managing partners, bringing in new excitement. And it, and it's and it, and he's been terrific, you know. Add to that now, you've got Nick Ledgerwood, who's our assistant assistant coach and community manager, deals with a lot of you know getting out all the youth clubs and yep. programs. To you know, Jay Wield and my brother who's running our under twenty ones. To recently, Oliver Minitel was another returnee to the club, and these are uh, these are, these are good moments for us, and um, shows that on top of you know likes of you know Joel Waterman getting into the Qatar World Cup squad to you know, Dominic Zator and Victor Latore, players that have been with us that are being named in the recent Canada squad. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mo Farsi last night scored his first goal and, uh, for his MLS club. Yeah. So these are these are moments that we're trying to keep building on because it's, it's a big part of it. We're always going to contend and chase championships. That's our DNA. But we also like the fact that we're able to develop other opportunities for Canadians where there weren't any five years ago. So if we go back to our conversations from a decade ago and you introduced the term path to professional and, and a path to, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what your vision was 10 years ago, having alumni, having, uh, I don't know what else the way to put, well, having these guys return and be part of it and help move it forward. Was that always part of the plan or has that been a really positive kind of benefit or surprise that, that you, you know, that these players are sticking around, these players are now coaching. It it just seems like there's some longevity to the career in Calgary. Yeah, it it was always part of the strategic plan. So when I first met with our ownership group, the Southern family and and Ian Allison, we talked about, you know, a sustained long-term project, not just a, a win and done and have a one good season um, it was about how can you maintain that level of success? How can you yep. strive for excellence? You know, those words are written around Spruce Meadows and, and, and why, you know, we're, we're approaching our 50th year here is you know, it's sustainable. It's uh, strive for excellence every single day. Mm-hmm. So we looked at Nick Ledgerwood bringing him back to have his last chapter of, of football to Mason Trafford. To even I knew with my brother that yep. he's an unbelievable coach and, you know, our under 21 coach, but also, you know, technical director of, Calgary Foothills, the job I used to have. Yep. So um, there's this there's this pathway that we've created um, that we think is a really, you know, makes us different from everyone. But it's also something that if you look at the top clubs around the world, whether it's Bayern Munich in Germany or Ajax in the Netherlands, they're the ones that actually have this very similar one where, you know, if, if people have bled for you, and actually the Cavalry's motto is blood over grass, hence the, hence the red and the green connected, these guys have bled over grass for us. So when they're in their front office or on the sidelines as a coach or you're on the phone representing us overseas with international recruitment, they care that little bit more. So um, it makes it easier for them to be motivated. There's no time clock for them. They're 
working all the time trying to grow the club and you know and that's that's been a big challenge over the pandemic where where, where things have been paused but we're uh we're, we're stubborn and uh we're, we're continuing to uh make the strides that we feel is necessary for the growth of this team and, and this game. So tell me about the work that, that you had to undertake this offseason to prepare for this year. Uh, we talked about a few of the players that have turned over, but what was recruitment like? What was even just resigning? You, you know, you had to bring back your, you know, arguably your, your most important player, your goaltender. So what was the offseason like for you? Well, that's our, that's where we go first and foremost. Always in our recruitment is we we're very big on you know taking the time to reflect and not making the emotional decision. So the off season is we have a lot of exit pulse checks. You know, you think of um, the hockey locker rooms; they they have their locker clear out. Fun enough today is locker clean out because we're moving back in um, <laughs> to to return to Spruce Meadows. But uh, no, first and foremost is like what went well and why, what didn't go well. And how can it improve? Right. And what went well was you, you've had a young man like Marco Carducci that mm-hmm. fought off cancer, uh, got the goalkeeper of the year award, and is always just that. I know, just that, that he amazes us all with the way he talks and the way he approaches life. Oh, he's life. incredible. It was an easy decision, incredible. A, to lock him down with his contract, um, and B, given the captain's armband, it actually made our job easier. Um, so that one jumped out. And Ali Moussi, one of the most exciting attacking players in the league, was the other one that we want, went after. Um, and then you look at, right, what do we need in terms of systematic players? So we'd made decisions in the offseason where we'd signed players that, you know, we felt had been in the league, you know, had, had been at good teams and could come in and fit our culture. And actually, it was harder. The older they were, the harder it was. So we went after players that we felt were systematic. So with, you know, Mason Trafford leaving, Callum mm-hmm. Montgomery's been a great one coming in from the MLS environment, you know, um, and, and it's kind of, you know, similar in profile. Uh, Adoka Chima, very similar in profile to Karifa Yao, who's younger, um, that, you know, has a lot more coachability to him. You know, we're seeing with Shamit Shom, who's a player that we've known, you know, being an Edmonton boy, going to the MLS, return to Edmonton. We felt he could have the energy that Victor Latouri had when we, when we you know, um, sold him to, to Jesse Daly, to recently Brad Camden coming in um, as a Canadian uh, and a local guy. So, these are guys that might not be as flashy per se on their highlight reel, right. but they were systematic because we felt they would make Marco Carducci better. They would make Dan Klomp better. Mm-hmm. They'd you know create more goal opportunities for a Joe Mason, Sergio Camargo, Maya Bevan. Um, and we're seeing right now, Jose Escalante, one of our originals, is playing in a new role because that's what the team needs right now. That's yep. a systematic player and that's something we bring in. So we spend a lot of time, Rob, you know, looking at data analytics, looking at video, um, but the last one is always about the human element. You know, are, are they going to be, you know, fit our culture? The guys that, you know, are here to build something for the future uh, are going to be the trailblazers. And we believe these guys are. Had the the pleasure of, of talking to Marco recently. And, and, you know, we talked about doing a new deal. Um, were you ever concerned that he might go elsewhere? Uh you know, I'll get into the reasons he told me why he stayed, and I and I, I love them. But w- was it ever a concern that you might have to replace your your netminder? Well, listen, you know, I'll be honest. We we had a call. Um, we had we had several interests, um, but we had a call literally just before he was diagnosed with cancer about his availability. Um, right. We're in the in the um, with an MLS club that we were in talks with, and you know, it was looking that way. Um, obviously, things change in football and in life. Um, and he adapted. And as soon as he did that, we wanted to make sure that 
we rewarded him for, mm-hmm. you know, his situation, circumstance, his loyalty, um, and looked after him first and foremost. So, look, I think all our players, we know our place in the food chain, Rob. So all our players are yeah. available at the right price. So sure. we, we believe in our pathway system. We believe in our recruitment system that will always bring players in. What we've got to do now, the more we create this trading history, is we've now got to be the ones that dictates the timing of it. Because right now we're still a, a sellable club versus one that can hold down. But you know we have ambitions in our next round of sales to make a quarter of a million with you know one of the young players coming through. So we've got to manage that accordingly. No, and 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 rightfully so. That's that's the business that you're in. I get that. But when Marco sits next to me and says, you know, I have a decision to make, I could go somewhere and sit, or I can stay here and play and develop. I chose to play in development. That's refreshing to me, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that's up and down in yeah. sport. Sometimes we chase that elite spot, but that elite spot might be a bench. But we don't we don't necessarily put enough priority, even at his age, of playing and reps and game pressure and all of those sort of things. So I like that conversation. I thought it was a refreshing conversation. Yeah, it is. And hence why it was easy for us to give him the captain's armband. He, he bleeds for this club. He's, you know, also working within the Calgary villains and helping out that next generation yep. from the club he played for. So yep. we we believe in, you know, playing it forward, you know, as, as we talk about on the pitch, but also as an ethos off it. And he, he represents that to, to, to great credit. And uh, yeah, no, like I said before, we're, we're fortunate to have him. Well, and Tommy, you and I have done this long enough to know that you're probably wondering why I haven't gone off into left field yet. So now I'll go off into left field. Um, <laughs> the next time I do a coaching seminar or a, a you know something in hockey, I'd like you to come and talk about. It's okay for a netminder to be a leader. I, I I love it. I don't get it in in hockey. I've never got it in hockey, but they tried it with Roberto Luongo, and everybody poo pooed it. Um, but leaders are leaders, and and it's you know to me it's it's awesome that you know you put it on the guy that deserves deserves it. Right. Not necessarily because of tradition. Yeah, um, it's funny. Uh, my, my president always says to me about lead, leadership is situational. And um, sure, I think Marco's an epitome of that. He's he's been through moments that have tested him, challenged him. He's been with moments with the team. But one thing you notice is it's not just on the pitch. You know, he's he's number one in the jersey and he's number one on the pitch, right? So yep. it makes it easier that you always want your captain to be on there. He's our yep. first choice keeper. Um, but it's when he speaks in the locker rooms, he'll say something and people listen. You know, and when he demands something, he listens. And he's not a guy that kind of is aggressive and grabs people by the collar or right. like, wants to take everything. But he is, he is our tone setter. So I'll use the weekend as an example. You know, I said at the start of the conversation, Forge, we were very good. And, you know, unfortunate not to have won that. In the penalty shootout, you know, we'd have loved to have made a save in it. You know, we'd have loved to have kept a clean sheet. We're through to the next round. But it was the last game where Marco was the most important because sometimes a point can feel like two points dropped, you know, from the win. That was a point earned. We suffered. Like mm-hmm. last 15, 20 minutes, we had no gas. We were making changes. We were putting players in different positions because they were just fresh. We had a, several injuries. But Marco was our, our tone setter because he would take his time on goal kicks. Right. He would calm the guys down and just, you know, choosing whether to play short to invite the pressure from the opposition or play direct and try and turn the opposition. He made very uh, calculated choices. And that's where you want a leader is in that situation. And and I think that's where the boys respond because we also surround him with 
you know, leadership group that can work through the spine of the team and they're starting to know their jobs. You, you, what about you? Five years, same voice for five years. What do you do? You know, you know this world, you know this sports world, man. Coaches are hired to be fired. Managers, we see it all the time. What is what is your postseason evaluation? What's your off season work like? Or do you, or are you okay? Are you comfortable being the same? What what about you, Tommy? How have you changed since year one to year five? Yeah, ne- never, never comfortable. To be honest, it's uh, and I think that's what you have to lean into. Rob is you have to embrace the discomfort. Like you know, for example, you know. For me, I know my pattern of behavior. Once the first win happens, we can build from it. You just, you know, you're leaning towards more of that first win. So for me, I what I choose to do is surround myself with people that are better than me in other aspects. So for example, you know, I've got Nick Ledgewood with his experience as a player recently retired. Mm-hmm. that's played at the international, played in CONCACAF, um, knows that um, Leon Hapgood has incredible energy on the pitch and is, the players love him too. You know, we've got video analytics to... You know, we've got a mental performance coach. We've, uh, you know, we've got several different aspects. And personally, you know, I take my coaching licenses. So, you know, there's a there's a pro license that's my next chapter because I do always need to learn. You can learn in the job, but you can also learn by, you know, going to these ones. So I know that's my next chapter, and I think that's something that's coming soon into Concacaf, which, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be wanting to take. But I'm open to feedback. You know, I reflected after the season, and you take it personal because you're like. Mm-hmm. two points off of the first place again so you know if we'd have won that one game that we tied or you know beat Ottawa at home that one time out of the two times they played here we're the regular season champions again but I actually looked back and, and went we probably overachieved yeah. so if you think start the season before we'd even kicked the ball Anthony Novak our starting striker ACL to you know Tom Field our starting left back ACL to Marco Carducci testicular cancer five games in Fraser Ed Canadian international and we're like this is this is crazy yeah. and then suddenly we go on our best winning run we go seven games in and create that 11 game unbeaten run because we kind of galvanized and mid-season Arabin Peppel creates all the attention he was on a short-term contract sold him Victor Latore had raised some interest sold him we replaced and still were there one goal and one bad decision you look at the playoffs you know it's hard to hard to take it personal when you know you don't get the calls that sometimes you need and mm-hmm. sometimes you got to be lucky to be good yep. and good to be lucky but right. one thing i keep reminding myself is we aren't afraid to punch above our weight and aren't afraid to go back into that fire and keep going so i'll always keep learning i'll always keep adding things where i feel that maybe my blind spots are there so I'm open-minded enough to do that. I have end-of-season discussions with our president and ownership group and give feedback, have feedback. So uh, I know my, my job in this game is to help it grow. That, that's the big picture. And I know with that, you have to be the caretaker. So what I have to do is when, when the club makes the decision or things that, that you know we want somebody else in, no problem. I'll hand them the keys and leave it in a better place than I started it. And that's if I can think like that, I'll always go to bed at night and be always be able to sleep. Tommy, are players changing? Can you see a change in the player? Yeah, the league's getting better. So I think what's happening now, Rob, you know, for the two years, what did people do in two years during a pandemic or 18 months is they sought 
things elsewhere. Like they they went and got um, you know online yep. things. They they read more. They they're now more curious about things and have more of an opinion. So mm-hmm. I think now as a coach, more than ever, you have to spell out your why before you give them the how or the what. You have to give them a why. We're doing this because this is what we see and this is how we feel we can do it. What do you think? And we can break that out into leadership groups first that can you know, get their background into it to now going onto the pitch, running through it and actually make sure the players know they're part of it. So I think what you're seeing now is more of a collaborative coaching process right. than an uh, autocratic one that says, this is it's my way or the highway. Yeah. I think that's how players are changing. Yeah. Uh, they're fitter, faster, stronger than ever. So that's now trying to get, it's the human element that I think will be the biggest growth. And it's the coaches and general managers with the high IQs that will con- continue to be the successful ones. Do you find... High EQ, sorry. Yeah. No, I know you were going there. And, and I apologize because I'm going deep here, but I love this stuff. Like, to, to me, we can't just statically watch a sport player, a coach, manager, whoever, and just say, well, it's going to be the same this year as it was last year. You mentioned COVID. How much has mental health become an issue at the pro level? How much of it has been things that the player or even your staff might bring to work that you have to work through before you can get on to? They call it trauma-informed coaching. Is that something you're aware of? Is that something that you've had to adapt to? No, not that term, but I tell you, and I'll, and I'll share with you that, you know, through the pandemic, I think that's probably, you know, if I look back now on, on the coaching, my, you know, I'm still a young manager, I'm 43, yep. so I still feel I'm learning every single day. But if I look back at greatest achievements, I think the pandemic was probably one of my highest moments because it was the hardest. And what I mean by that is, mm-hmm. Rob, is how do you keep players engaged? How do you understand that, you know, there's some players that, you know, having troubles at home, some that can't get outside are having troubles because they've always needed that release, that impact, that, you know, that testosterone release. Um, you know, people separating from from their partners to, yeah, there's lots of things. So there's depression, there's yeah. mental health, and you can tell it, you can feel it. Like, I'm an empath, so I can, I can feel that energy. And sometimes that's a good thing because you can be aware, but sometimes it's a bad thing because you absorb. And what I noticed with myself, and that's why I said with my own blind spots, is you know, I, I went and got a performance coach myself that I could talk through the process and say, I'm experiencing this because, and I've never had it before. So mm-hmm. it, it was greatest thing. And what we've ended up doing as a club is being very forthright and um, and proactive, saying instead of reactive, because you you, you want to be a, we want to create everything for every player. So we've you know hired a mental performance coach right. that comes in biweekly to speak with the players mm-hmm. be available access anything like that so it's no different than you know we bring in a, our team doctor our team sure. doctor looks at it with you know if there's knee injuries things that are serious injuries or we've got a team masseuse that the guys are tight they've been battered and bruised over three games in, in, in a week right she'll come in mental performance video analyst like who got who just needs extra time looking at it players learn in different ways so I, I do believe it's uh, we haven't scratched the surface on mental health yet, Rob. Um, but I, I, I certainly have uh, be a proponent of it because I think it's the biggest difference in you know in life in general, but in actually high performance. I I've never had a, a coach tell me about their 
bringing in. So tell, if you don't mind, and you don't have to share it all, but just tell me a little bit about the, the yeah, concept sure. behind, you know, you going out and getting somebody to work with. How does that help you or how has that helped you? So think of what, what, what are coaches? We're, we're here to affect behavior to improve performance. That's, yeah. that's coaching in a, in a nutshell. And I'm, I'm stealing that quote from a, a, a great coach mentor, uh, Richard Bate, Dick Bate, as yeah. he was known in England. Yep. Um, how do you affect behavior to improve performance if your own behavior is you're angry at a result or you're pissed off because somebody's not played the ball the way you'd run the drill to be? Um, and then that player themselves have had car troubles or they haven't been able to pay for something or their family's struggling or going through surgery, but you don't know that. So how are you opening the door to make sure that you know that human being so you can affect their behavior to improve their performance? So I just felt that, you know, when this pandemic hit and we were having conversations like this, you, you know, it was, you could sense something wasn't right. So I thought, well, I need coaching. Mm -hmm. So as a coach, I need to know how to deal with these things because it's not in my remit as, you know, I've, I've got a degree in sports science and coaching, Rob, we tapped on psychology. Yep. You know, uh, you know, you can always presume how people feel. Everyone, everyone's an amateur psychologist. So why not speak to somebody? So I sought out somebody I was recommended um, and she's been brilliant and she's been a, a voice of reason and is able to, you know, remind me of the strengths and remind me of my blind spots. And I think if you're open to that, then you can fill the blind spots with people that might see something different or be able to support or divide and conquer because, you know, it's like my mum always used to say, you know, it's hard to drink from an empty cup and uh, <laughs> yeah. you've got to make sure that we find people around us that are fountains, not just drains. Uh, well, outstanding. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, uh, I, I, <clears throat> again, I've never heard that from a coach at the professional level before. So, and it really, I wish I started that with my, my question before, cause that's, that's the answer. You know what I was looking for. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You're not stagnant. You know, you're the manager, you're the, you're the guy, but you've got to be the leader too. And that's part of, you know, to your point, that's part of leadership, right? That's, that's making sure you're taking listen, care of I'm, yourself, I'm, right? Yeah, of course. Look, and it's in the job where, you know, you win a few games, you're, you're the king, right? And everybody's <laughs> saying how wonderful you are. Yeah. But you lose one or two and suddenly now you're the villain. So right. it's, you know, you've got to make sure that you're able to keep the balance no matter, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like that Rudyard Kipling if, right? Yep. So you, 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 you can't live too high in the sky when you're riding well, but you, and you can't be too low when you're having a couple of bad performances because it's not personal. It's right. It's situational. And in sports, you know, we've seen that with Giannis last night. I've seen his interview. It was brilliant. You know, about you know, saying about failure. I'm like, yep. well, there's only one team that can literally lift a trophy in, in, in the whole sports league that you're competing in. Every team, if every team said they weren't going for that, they'd be lying. Oh, we're just doing this for development. No, we, we have to chase championships. That's why it's a league that keeps league tables, points on the board. Right. But we know often, more often than not, we're going to fall short. Jack Nicholas said it as well. You know, he failed more than he won. Right. He, you know, you've got to learn to deal with the failures because it's a professional sport and you can't guarantee outcomes. But if you can do that, that that's the biggest battle of mental health as well for for coaches is be able to accept criticism and uh, you know not get too high on the compliments. We we need more. Uh, we need more Tommy Wielden Juniors. We need more leaders talking about the important <laughs> no but we do we need more leaders talking about the importance yeah. of failure because and we can get into the youth and the and the development of sport here in a second 
but we've, we're removing that from our kids' lives, right? It's not your fault. We, you know, they did it. It's, it's them. Failure. I am a product of failure. I say that all the time. Like, I have failed way more than I've ever succeeded, but it influences and it impacts me. And to hear someone at your level, what, it, what Giannis said last night is absolutely true, right? Like, it, you know, he made it, whatever, it was 15 years, he won six, he failed nine times. That's how Michael Jordan views it. But to me, we've somehow, we don't embrace failure enough because it is such an important learning tool. Well, look at what's going on now in the, in the Premier League. So Tottenham have just fired one manager. Yep. Um, they put his interim in. He lost the game 6-1 because, the guess what? The locker room's disjointed. Yep. Chelsea are going through a similar one. Yep. Fired their manager that they hired mid-season. Brought in a guy that, you know, used to play for them. Uh, terrific guy. He's lost a bunch in the row. And there's now talk about that. I'm like, well... It all depends on what your ownership will do. Sir Alex Ferguson, one of the greatest managers of all time, I don't think he won anything in six or seven seasons at Manchester United, but he had a belief of building a football club mm-hmm. and he had a belief in values. Mm-hmm. And I think when you build it in that way, Phil Jackson's the same with wherever yep. he's gone. He had a belief in something bigger than just the trophy. And I think the trophies will always come if you're doing the right things over and over. Um, but yeah, it's failure is part of the journey as long as you're leaving everything out there and that's why i said yep. we, we go back to the blood over grass and that's what i tell the players all the time yep. and why we got a good home record the fans work very hard in this city it's a very not entrepreneurial city um very hard working you know uh, it's kind of that fuse between the blue collar to the white collar but it's people want to see that they give everything you know in alberta they want to see you, you give everything and leave it on there yep. so if our players leave the pitch and have given everything there's more forgiveness there to say, yeah, you know what? They left it all out there. I can get behind that. But if they kind of wound or don't hunt back or don't chase or mm-hmm. don't try to get at someone or take a shot, that's where you lose fans. And, and, and that's something that, listen, while I'm the caretaker of this football club, will always be primary in ours. We'll always leave everything out there. We'll leave blood on the grass. And, right. um, that's, a, that's an important thing. But it's also something now as a parent. That's what I tell my son. You know, you have to earn the right in everything you do, whether it's you're doing your math or you're playing as a player. And guess what? You know, you're going to lose some games. You're going to actually get some bad grades. That doesn't define you. It's how you respond to it. And that's, that's the biggest lesson as coaches. We don't, we don't tell enough. We 100%. Don't tell enough. 100%. 100%. Um, you, you mentioned your brother who's, who's got your old job. My guess is you probably keep your finger on the pulse. What about the growth of the game? What are you seeing? Um, you know, we, we'll get into where we are internationally and, and how that helps. But, you know, you, you've been very, you know, very much a part of the fabric of this sport in our city for better part of two decades now. What are you seeing out there on community pitches? Do you know? Do you know what's really good now, Rob? And I think you and I spoke when we had that USL PDL team, and the reason yep. we did that was we felt that bridge between seventeen to twenty ones was kind of left to just going off to university, but um, and which is great. But there's 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 a development pool that's needed. So if there are to be more and more expansion teams that come through Canada after we host the World Cup or before, where's the players going to come from? We we can't allow just you know, the eight CPL clubs and the three MLS clubs to be the only ones that are actually servicing it. There's a lot of great development clubs and you're seeing that with the Rovers that, you know, as a League One BC team knocked out Valor and, you know, and done a giant killing and now they're in the next round and had we won on penalties, we'd be facing them. But what now is 
the infrastructure that you know um, across Canada, you've got the CPL, but underneath it now, and you you know this, but I haven't yep. worked in the hockey environment. We've got that underbelly that League One Ontario started. Now there's one League One Quebec. There's League One BC that started, and there's soon to be one League One. Now, and what that does is creates more opportunities for that 16, 17, 18 year old, yep. and also the late bloomers that might be 21, 22 that you know just had to finish university to to find their find their physicality their football brain um so that's what's growing and underneath that you know AYSL which is Alberta Youth Soccer League that you tr- they're trying to make more standards and high performance aspect you know mm-hmm. train to play ratio is so you're not just playing three games a week and one training session you're actually developing um in accordance to how you can the pitch so there's lots of great things i think the the i look at the technical directors of other youth clubs across the city whether it's calgary southwest to you know jose escalante works at southwest united to you know um sergio camargo does work at mckenzie united to, to jay and and uh, jordan santiago our uh, our keeper coaches at calgary west so there's a lot that are given back and i think there's um there's better coaching and leadership in those clubs more than ever as well as now um uh, facilities, which I think has always been of shortage. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the the, the, the national teams, and, and respectfully, I, I know that there's some stories and controversies, and 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 they need to be addressed, and and we'll address them, but maybe at a later date. I'm just more curious about um, the fact that you know the first time you and I met was the 2014 World Cup, and you know it just seems like so far off for Canada to have a, a an entry in that. Um, but here we are coming off our first World Cup since 86. Yeah, you know, bruises and things, but you have to go. The women continue to be a, a dominant story on the pitch. And again, recognizing there is an off-the-field story too. But I, just as an observer and as someone who was committed to growing the game in this country, what was the last two years been like on the international level watching this country? Like it's a truly Canadian story, punching above our weight. Um, I don't think anybody had expected, uh, you know, the women to win the gold, and mm-hmm. they did, and they did it heroically again. So, you know, sometimes you have to have that little bit of luck along the way to be, you know, to be successful. And uh, I'm not saying it was all up, but they 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 left their hearts out there. They played. They were tactically good. And then the men's, nobody thought that they could get to the World Cup ahead of the 2026. But John Herdman had challenged them and said, look. Let's be one of the last to, to earn that right because it hadn't been earned since 1986. So I think it's wonderful to see that we are certainly punching above our weight. And now the fact we're having professional leagues under that, development leagues that are connected to it, to youth leagues around the world, we're doing something that's unique to um, this country. And the youth sport is another great example mm-hmm. of that, to be able to pull players from that system, give them a youth sports agreement, scholarship, and then they can go back into that system. It's uniquely Canadian, and um, we're in a good way. And I just hope now that we're seeing more and more people put their dollar vote in. And what I mean yeah. by that, Rob, is you know everybody can you know share their opinion and thoughts on social media, but you know if they're not out supporting their local club in their area, um, whether it's a ticket or a jersey or whatever they need to do, then it's just a voice. We need people to put their dollar votes in. That's how we're going to continue to grow this this country in this uh, this league in this country. Um- Let's come back to CPL. Again, you open up uh, your home portion of the the schedule on Sunday uh, against the Valor. Um, not having an uh, Alberta Classico 
not having an Edmonton team, you know, I even harken back to our original conversations. You know, we were talking about what Edmonton had and what Calgary didn't. It just feels like there's a, a hole, uh, a void, and I know the league will will address it at some point, but it does feel a, a little bit odd not, in ha- not having that other Alberta team in the league. Yeah, it certainly does. And listen, you know, while we were trying to develop the professional league, the Fath family actually brought professional soccer to Alberta. So, you know, they put a lot of money into it. It didn't quite kick off. They had some great moments. And I think what we've got to do now is we've got to be willing to carry the torch for the province until they're ready to do it again. Edmonton had carried the torch for us for a while. So it's up to us to return that. Would we love? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Them to be involved, absolutely, because, you know, a three-hour ride, it's Calgary, Edmonton. There's lots of people there that you recognize from whether it's youth setups to family and friends and, you know, so... Hopefully that'll be back. It's a great market. You know, wouldn't it be great if Alfonso Davies and an ownership group got in there? What a cool story to to be had. And maybe that'll happen in the future. Maybe it won't. But um, I think it's certainly a market that the futures will say, actually, that's a really good market. Let's let's do it again. But you know, we've seen this in the MLS, Rob. You know, when the MLS launched in the mid-90s, there was a few families that owned several clubs. And, you know, mm-hmm. one or two didn't survive the initial. That's part of a startup business. Sure um, but yeah, I think uh, it'll be back. Um, Vancouver coming in has shown that there's there's growth to be had, and I'm sure there's others going. Um, but it's good. Listen, I just see my uh, my batteries down to the last couple. No, of percent, no problem. So you... I don't want to do a Red Warren on you. No, 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 no. Red Red had Red had a kid. Red had a kid. He had to take with... so. No, Tommy, I appreciate it. You know me. I could go on for hours. Uh, I really appreciate the conversation. We encourage everybody to come out and check you out on Sunday. But best of luck the rest of the way. I know we'll talk between now and the end of the year, but thank you for doing this. Thanks, Neil, Rob. Okay. 
Tommy Wielden Jr. from the Cavalry. Uh, let's, yes, let's address Rhett first of all. Rhett did have to leave, and uh, I believe he was taking, uh, he had parent duties. He had kids to run around. We knew we were going to have him for the whole show. And Rhett's back. Perfect. Well, I'm back. I thought you had to go take well, the kids. You, you're scared. <laughs> I do in 15 minutes, but you sh I had a mute on and you shocked me when you threw to me. So then when I went to unmute, I hung up. So and then you I were shocked when I was going to, I'm you were shocked when I was going to allow you to ask a question. Well, I'm not good at soccer questions. I'm good at stomping my feet and eating the progies at the cavalry game. Well, I'm sorry. I That's felt terrible because I, I knew you had to leave. But that was going to be later. And then when you left, I'm like, I, I, was, I actually wrote a note. I, I got this to Jack. I said, where's Rhett? Because I'm feeling terrible about the whole thing. I'm like, Rhett has questions. I want him to ask questions. And, and then it's like, what did I do? I insulted the man somehow. He's hung up. He's taken his ball and gone home. Nope. Good. I've been arguing with the people on the YouTubes about all kinds of stuff. Well, you had a good chat with <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wielden, instead of me interrupting and making a mess of things. All right. Did you? So you heard some of the conversation? I certainly did. How? I would love to get into a night. I, I would love to sit and have a beer or a coffee and pick his brain about coaching and stuff like that. You it's, got into it a little bit, yeah. but it would be fun just to explore because I do think he has a lot of deep thoughts and, and has done a lot of... I don't know if research is the right word, but he puts a lot of thought into how he's going to coach and how he's going to go about it, and he tries to learn from from other people. So it would be fun to sit with them and just get to understand it. And that's because I have an interest in that as well. I, I as I do too, and and you heard in that conversation, like you know, what NHL coach is going to come to the podium and say, "Yeah, I'm working with a you know a coach myself." Like I, I love that. You know that that getting better, that self improvement. But I think we would both agree that you know sports, especially professional sports, has long been well. If you get to the top, you have to be the top, right? Like, you know, everybody well, comes to you for answers. You know what I find amazing, Rob, is the guys that I played against, that mm -hmm. were coaching mm -hmm. or even played for guys you knew. I knew personally, and when they get in front of the media. And they're at the rink, and now they're coaches. All of a sudden, it's, I've got the answers, and you shouldn't ask questions almost. And I, you yeah, know what I mean? It, I do. It becomes a very standard stock answer thing. And it's like, right. well, that's not who you were 5, 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't pretend you knew everything, and yet right. you, they, I think you feel like you have to portray that. Right. And I think it's sad. And oh. I think some of the best and most honest answers, and I think most people could see through the BS anyway, is damned if I know. I probably, you know, how refreshing would it be for a coach to go, yeah, I, yeah, I really screwed that one up. Mm -hmm. I should have had that guy on the power play, and I was, I thought maybe this guy would turn out, but gee, that was a stupid decision. Yeah, you'll never hear it. No, no, it's to your point. It's 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 not an honest exchange of ideas anymore. It's become, yep. you know, in, in, in fairness, there's responsibility on this side too, because, you know, are you going to say something? You know, are you, you know, th there's not a lot of context given. 
Again, I used a clip of you last week when Boomer was talking about Daryl, and, and you just said, okay, hold on. So is, is Daryl the reason for everything? Like, you know, the, the soft ice cream machine didn't work. Was that Daryl? Like, I, you know, I, I, yes. I, that's an extreme, but you know what I'm saying. I, I thought that was an interesting point by you that it's easy to make a scapegoat. It's easy to point to one thing and say, that's the thing. And, and I do feel like it's robbing us of honest interactions. Well, and it's it's odd because even the like I said, I was on the YouTube there talking to people are still talking about it because the Flames sure. fans are interested in the Daryl and the dynamics. And I don't know if Sarah Valley and Drager came out with stuff about the guys not even wanting to play today or blah, blah, blah. So the, the, a lot of the listeners were talking about it on there. And I, I was I was also, you know, texting into that chat saying the exact same thing where it's like i don't think daryl was bang on this year i don't think it was his best year of coaching but i also know daryl wants to win as much as anyone i've ever met absolutely so when you're not having success and he's continuing to do things that i questioned Mm -hmm. and lots of people questioned Mm -hmm. it's not because he's an idiot nope nope he's he sees it as well. The results aren't there, yet I'm going to stick with it. That's not who he is. It's not a, and yes, he's stubborn and you can have that <laughs> trend in them, but he's a results oriented person. He wants wins mm-hmm. and success mm-hmm. and he wants it done a certain way. And if it's not done, my point being, I don't, there's more to this story than just a simple, Daryl's lost it and he's too dumb to coach now. Yeah, and I would never say Daryl's too dumb to coach. I wouldn't say that at all. He might be too stubborn to work with the modern player. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. That is definitely a possibility and it's a philosophy that he has. Yep. Yet, Walker Dewar came in and had success. And Manjapani, who to me was still a young guy last year, yep. had good success. Yep. So I agree with you. I don't think he opens the pearly gates to allow the young kids to walk through and just hand them. No. Uh, no. You know, ice time. That is an earned philosophy for Daryl. But not all players are the same either, the, right? I don't know. And I, but I, I don't think he shuts the door. Uh, foolishly on someone that might contribute to victories for his team. So, okay. And this, this is great then. Let's, let's talk about, and I say this ad nauseum all the time. The one frustration I had uh, this year was Matthew Phillips. When you look at all the numbers, right? 24 overtime shootout games, 32 one-goal losses. He was given two games, never to be heard from again. My understanding of Daryl, and and you played for him, you worked for him too, so you have a couple of different insights on Daryl. But my understanding of Daryl is Daryl was never one to believe that a player is developed at the NHL level. The player gets developed at the American Hockey League level, and then he comes to the NHL. And I was just a little frustrated that I thought Matt Phillips, you know, and it's easy, hindsight, I get that, but I thought he should have spent more time and tried to develop that player. I would say that's his one greatest weakness. Okay. And I would say that I agree with you. And 
and that's the thing. Like I, I, I think when I respond with some of these points and texts or conversation, people are thinking that I'm trying to stand up for Daryl. I don't need to stand up for Daryl. Daryl can stand on his own two feet. He's got more victories and success mm-hmm. than I can dream of. Mm-hmm. So he don't need me to answer no. for him. No. All I say is, there's a, it ain't just the coach. No. There was a bunch of players on that ice that weren't getting things done. Now, I think... I think Daryl's missing. And I go back to oh, three or four. We go to the finals. There's a lockout. And the next year, Daryl believes, or at the time held the belief that we didn't win the Stanley Cup because we were too young. Yeah. Yeah. And he went and got older. Yeah. He brought in guys, veteran guys. Yeah. Older guys, you know, finish wrapping up career kind of guys. Yep. And again, not a knock against any of them. We got great teammates and great people. But I think in today's world, mm-hmm. the answer to your problems as a franchise in general is having young kids yep. coming up playing important roles and, and producing them the opportunity to do that and producing and, on and, young and early I contracts. Today, right. Yes, and I think today's kids are groomed to do it at a younger age. I don't think they need years in the minors anymore. Is it the end of the world if they go down there and play? Absolutely not. No. But I think kids spend, to the, I think, almost too much time preparing professionally. Going to the NHL for a kid nowadays is great. It's the NHL and there's nothing better. But they aren't wowed by private jets hardly. They aren't wowed that they're getting fed meals. They aren't wowed by the dressing rooms. They aren't wowed by the buildings. Go play in North Dakota in college and tell me that there's a nicer arena than that. These kids nowadays are groomed from the age of 15 on to be able to uh, this. none of this is a big deal for them. Yep. And again, I, it's a big deal for them because it's the NHL. I'm not taking away. I'm just saying that. No, no. It, I went. It came from Saskatoon. We had to push the effing bus right in a snowstorm right. to get it to the rink. And where that shit ain't happening. Now. And then where did you play the next year? And then where did you play the next Florida. year? Florida, right? Palm trees, right? Yes. There's yes. a great story. I think I was on the bus one day with Dion, and he points. He goes, "That's a palm tree." He'd never seen a palm tree before. He was in awe of a palm tree, right? 100%. But I the, remember landing in Florida. But today's kids don't. It, it, again, it's they're not a negative. If they do go play in the yeah. minors for a year or two and prove and earn, I'm, I'm good with that. But don't hold them back just on a philosophy So and th- that they need that. And this has nothing to do with the Flames, but I'm curious. Is that a good thing or a bad thing that they're this prepared now? Or is there something be, is there something, if you had your journey to do over again, would you want to be more prepared or would you still want to be wowed by it all? But my thing, I, my, I wasn't as prepared. Right. I didn't know what an eight, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have a trainer. Right. I didn't have a trainer for my my whole hockey career. Right. I went to, I was, it was my second, third year pro. I went to training camp. Hadn't skated. <laughs> Had not skated all summer. <laughs> now, 
against me and being a stubborn idiot, but that ain't happening to a kid now. <laughs> no, God, no. No. Like, no. They're moving. They're to- on the ice. They're they're always ready, and their training's better. And I can remember the trainers in the NHL. It was archaic. Yeah. Here's ice and a TENS machine. At most, that was your treatment, and that was your go ride the bike for 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> I can remember going to a thing, and the, the Leafs trainer, I forget who it was. If you ride the bike for a half hour and your heart rate is above 160, you're in good shape. Totally irrelevant to the game of hockey. <laughs> totally irrelevant. Point being, these kids are ready to play. Yeah. Open up. Let them run. Let them run. Yeah. Well, and, and if they don't turn out, you're not going to be worse off. No. And I said this about the Flames team this year. I don't know Trevor Lewis from a hole in the wall. I'm sure he's a wonderful human. Mm-hmm. But when you have down the middle, Lindholm, Cadre and Backland, you do not need a veteran fourth line center to play a defensive role. No, you have you you don't need it. You have three guys that are supposed to be tops in the game at that role. Why are you have a fourth one? Let a kid play. Yep. Give him some freedom and let him see what we got. Good grief, we might have a fifty goal score. Anyway, that's no, no, and and I, I'm thank you for answering the question because it, that was always my, and I agree with you. Like Daryl's part of it, but management was part of it. Ownership's part of it. The building, I, I stand by my point that the building's part of it, right? That you yeah. know that, that there's no joy in Mudville coming to that facility, right? You know, if you uh, what they're proposing, there really isn't, and it right, and it's it's actually surprising. I, I've talked to people about it because. The rink here is no hell in Buffalo. It's it's newer, mm-hmm. but it's like yeah. six or seven years newer than <laughs> yeah. the Saddledome. Yeah, yeah. But the way it's shaped and made, and, and and maybe the way the team plays, it was a young team here in Buffalo. You get the I don't know how to describe it, but you get the sound of the rush moving up the ice, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The players pick it up at our blue line and they're attacking in the offensive zone. And the whole crowd is, you get that enthusiasm of they're on the attack and there's some noise being made. I don't know if it's saddled them and the way the sound carries in there, but you don't get that sense and that it can be very loud. Absolutely. But you just don't have that same atmosphere. I agree. I agree. And a lot of the American buildings have that. Right. And the newer buildings have. Yes. And they have. But also, I say that as well. Yeah. I, I say that as well. American people, they go to the game as fans. Canadian people go to a hockey game. They're observers. Yep. We're observers of the game. I've paid to be here. I don't have to cheer if I don't want to. I, I, I'm here judging you on how you perform. You know, when I'm that, not here cheering you on. You know, when I learned that we were in Washington. And somebody took a shot and missed the net and it hit the glass and everybody went ballistic. It was loud. Like, it's loud. Or somebody makes a big hit. It's loud. It's loud. Right? And, and whereas we're going, hold on, why are they pressing with the F2 here? No, 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 no. Don't do that. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Very judgy. We're very, very we are not on this show, but overall, very judgy. So I'm just glad you're not mad at me. I I, I was a little concerned that I somehow pissed you off and, and you left. Um, no, it was it was fat fingers and Boomer and Pinder have always given me hell for having my mute on. But it's a anyway. All right. So, okay. but I do have to run. Now. I know. I know. I and, love and, you, Rob. Okay. Thank you, buddy. This was awesome. Take care. You betcha. Have a great weekend. You bet. There you go. Retro. Uh, hey, Jack. Like, oh. Woo. Woo. Rob, can you cover for us? We're going away. We just need you to come in. For, yeah, sure. Uh, Tommy Wilden Jr. Great. Okay. Retro's going to be on. Oh, wow. It's retro. And then, bang, he's gone. It's like, what did I do? I've been here for 10 minutes and I've sunk this franchise. Unbelievable. We are live in the Tower Chrysler studio. Uh, do want to recognize a lot of the great partners here uh, that help Barnburner. Let's let's find one and talk about them, shall we? How about McLeod Law? How about McLeod Law? Call Peter Klein at 403-254-3864 or visit McLeodLaw.com. That's McLeod with a hyphen law.com. Follow us on social media at McLeod Law LLP. Personal injury? They are approachable. They are caring. This is not something that should be more tension for you. This is not something that should make life even more miserable for you if you have an injury. They take the stress off your shoulders. You're not alone. Let them handle your legal, insurance, medical claims so you can focus on recovery. Our personal lawyer, injury lawyers, bring extensive experience and an understanding to your specific need. So that's McLeod Law. Uh, how about this? Why don't we take a look back at last night and then take a look ahead tonight in the National Hockey League. Just two games on tap. Let's start with Florida and Boston. Uh, the Bruins at home, an opportunity to close out this series, leading three games to one. Uh, unfortunately for the Bruins, and fortunately if you're a Matthew Kachuk and the Florida Panthers fan, Sam Bennett I'll throw in there with local ties too, uh, the Panthers who have had, I don't know, they just have had a reason this year to be successful against the Bruins. Uh, lopsided in shots, Sergei Bobrovsky in net for this one. Um, so, you know, they make, you know, the young guy was the story, right? Uh, but they go back to the veteran, the guy they're paying the money to. Uh, he was terrific, especially early on, I thought, uh, made a couple of key saves. Uh, but, you know, they got it from all and up and down the lineup, right? You know, Van Haraway or Ver Haraway with the three assists. Uh, Duclair comes in, gets a goal to get him on the board. But how about Matthew Kachuk, including the game winner? Uh, two points. And I don't mean this the way it's going to sound because I think you evolve into this. Last year, uh, when the team lost out to Edmonton in the second round, I, I, I'm not sure there was a whole bunch of players that you pointed to and said they were good or they, they gave all they could. And, and, you know, it was a little... I, I just thought that there wasn't enough bite. There was a lot of reasons. You know, Markstrom wasn't good, but there wasn't a lot of bite. But Matthew Kachuk, you knew could bring it and has brought it. He's... In a world without McDavid, uh, he'd be probably nipping at the heels of Dreisaitl as an MVP candidate. He had an outstanding season. Only the fourth player in NHL history to score 100 points on two different teams uh, or after getting traded. By the way, one of those players, Mike Rogers. 
one of those players, Mike Rogers. So I thought that was pretty cool. Gretzky and uh, uh, Jimmy Carson, I think, are the under, other two. That's off the top of my head. Um, but now we're going back to Florida. And now the pressure's on the Bruins, who don't lose a lot, but have now, you know, I think they lost uh, twice in the regular season, both in overtime and shootouts, I think, to the, uh, to the Panthers, but twice in this series. Uh, Florida's got a puncher's chance. I still think Boston pulls it out. Uh, I think if you look at this series overall, uh, as we are right now, seven points from Kachuk, eight points from, how about Taylor Hall? Here we are waxing poetic about Matthew Kachuk, but you remember Taylor Hall, Taylor Tyler? You remember Taylor Hall? How about his series? You know, missed the end of the the year, comes back. He's got five goals. He's got eight points in this series. He's been good. Brad Marchand's been good. Tyler Batuzzi's in there. Orloff. You know, just want to, and again, it's a series. It's not a playoff run. But when you make deals at the trade deadline, to, to Rhett's point about us being observers, we, we tend to be more observers than fans, right? Oh, we're making too big deal, too big a deal out of the trade deadline. Oh, this all-day coverage. Nothing's happening. They're spending four hours at TSN and Sportsnet with their fingers up their noses, and, a, and they've got a llama. You know, uh, oh, why are they doing this? Tyler Bertuzzi, Dmitry Orlov come over at the deadline to the best team in hockey, and they're contributing to the best team in hockey. Linus Allmark continues to be good. Uh, maybe not regular season good, but, you know, he's been good enough in this series. Uh, let's move on. The other series last night, I want to come back to Matt Kachuk. Can we just throw up Matt Kachuk for a second before I go there? Yeah, I just want to do this. So here's Matthew Kachuk's career now in the, in the postseason. 32 games, 22 points. Um, so a lot of that now is, you know, seven of that you know, in, in what, five games. So if you go back, the, his board in Calgary would have been uh, 27 games and uh, 15 points in the playoffs. Guys get better. Uh, something about what Rhett was saying is as you get a little bit older, uh, you know, put in, in those situations, they're going to get better. I think Johnny Gaudreau is going to be better. He was better last playoffs than any playoff he had been in for the Flames. I always go back because, you know, around here we've got, you know, Red Mile fever. I go back to 2004. And the second round of the playoffs, in which Rhett Warner's team knocked off the Detroit Red Wings. That Red Wings team had a, a couple of young players in Zetterberg and Datsuk. Didn't play a lot. And you looked at him, you go, geez, you know, what are they ever going to contribute? <laughs> and say what you will about the Sedins. In that same time frame, 04, they were a second line in Vancouver. And I remember having conversations. Is that all they're ever going to be? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I, I, I tip my hat to Matthew Kachuk. Um, I think, you know, part of when you talk about the issues in Calgary and what, and what Rhett said, it goes beyond the coach. I think it goes on. It, it really is this stuck in the middle, uh, again, you know, Steelers wheel. Uh, the Flames are the penultimate middle of the pack team. Never drafted higher than fourth in Calgary. I just heard Ryan Pike's voice in my head in Calgary, have never uh, drafted higher than fourth. They've done that twice. Never had a first-round pick in Calgary. Had a second round, I believe, in Atlanta. Um, Always, like this year, didn't make the playoffs, but took themselves out of the really, really good player slot. Um, What are they really good at? Foundation? Absolutely. Alumni? 
better than anything. But the building's old, which doesn't mean they have the toys that other teams have. They they work like the you know beavers down there to make the ice good. They work like beavers to make the game ops good, but they don't have the luxuries that other teams have. And they they don't take a lot of risks. They're not a risky team. They don't they don't take a lot of risks in the public. They don't take a lot of stands and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I think that's reflected. And uh, Matthew Kachuk, you've got to find a way to be able to keep the next Matthew Kachuk in Calgary. Yes, he's an American player. I get that. But if a silly would have played a role in that, his role would have played a role in that. I mean, there's lots of things. I'm not saying you could have kept him, but you need to be in a, in a have a fighting chance. Same thing with Adam Fox. I, I put this out on on Twitter a couple of days ago because we talked about it on our show. What is the legacy of Brad Tree Living if if Adam Fox is a flame and you know he's the cornerstone of this franchise? So God bless people on Twitter who immediately lost the, the the kind of context of the question and immediately told me that, well, he knew he was never, nah, I know that part. That's not what I'm talking about. But what if you were a destination? What if you, they took Adam Fox in the third round, okay? They took him in the third round. You know who else got taken in the third round? Shea Weber got taken in the third round. So teams, everybody had a crack at him before the Flames. The Flames had a crack at him before they took him, but they took him. You know, and yeah, American player, sure, wasn't coming here. Got it. Know that. I understand that. I was there. Uh, having said that, you know, this organization's got to get to a place where you can at least have a fighting chance of keeping these players. That You know, if the only way that you're ever going to have a superstar player that stays from start to finish in your organization is if he's from Forest Lawn and you draft him or he grew up in Springbank and you drafted him and, and he's predispositioned to like it here, that's a, that's a failure. You've got to be be able to go beyond that. Not sure how we ended up there, but that's what I think. Let's go to the other game last night, Seattle and Colorado. Take a look at the recap from Game 5. No Kale McCarr. Speaking of the pride of Calgary, Kale McCarr, last year's uh, Norris Trophy winner, uh, Conn Smythe Trophy winner, Stanley Cup winner, was not, he's suspended, was not in the lineup. Uh, The Kraken, the Kraken go out on the road, not just happy that they're there for the first time, out on the road, out shoot Colorado at home. Um, you look at at the uh, you you look at the board here. Nathan McKinnon doing his part, ranting in a point. Uh, but look on the other side. Who are these guys? Well, we know most of them. Uh, Morgan Geeky, uh, Yan Gordy. Of course, he's got that Tampa Bay uh, pedigree. Uh, Ty Cardi, his first ever NHL game, he kicks in a goal. There's Jordan Eberle, who I I know somebody's going to be listening on the Oiler Nation and go, oh, they took a run at Jordan. No, I'm not. He's a Calgary kid. Love Jordan Eberle. But Jordan Eberle is now a really good second-line player, but here he's getting it done. And this is the old, and we've seen this before with teams, right? The you don't believe in us stuff. We're underdogs. Nobody loves us. We're the new team, and we're playing the Stanley Cup champions, and blah, blah, blah. They're, in, they're now in charge of this series, up three games to two. Um, it's going back. Uh, a couple of times in this series, I thought they were done, and a couple of times in this series, I thought Colorado put their foot on their neck, and that was it. They haven't. Uh, Nakushin is out. I'm saying that wrong. My apologies. It's been a while. Um, there's some controversy swirling around that. No Landeskog. We know about the injuries. We know about the suspension. Uh, it, no Kadri, uh, like Grubauer. There's Grubauer. Um, 
you know, Gorgiev, who they got from the ring. I think he's going to be a really good goaltender, but, you know, he's not right now. He's an average goaltender, and he's giving them average goaltending. And here we have a team that is heading back, facing elimination on the road. Don't think that Nathan McKinnon's eyes are going to get wide, bug-eyed. I, I don't think he's too terribly concerned about this. Um, having said that, they've got to prove it. They've got to get it done. So uh, as you take a look at this now, uh, can we get the recap up for the series? If you take a look at the series going back to Seattle, uh, or do we have the overview? Maybe I'm, this is the recap. I meant the overview. Uh, my apologies. Anyway, regardless, good situation for Colorado, or good situation for Seattle, not a great situation for Colorado. Wonder if we see a game seven in there. I think we're going to see a game seven in there. Uh, by the way, uh, in 1993, the hearing loss clinic was founded with a simple mission, make a positive difference in the lives of our clients. It's never been about hearing loss or hearing impairment. No, no. It's been about empowering you to be socially active, more connected with loved ones and confident in every aspect of your life. Men, women of all ages, and of course, children can suffer from hearing loss. There can be serious health risks that are linked to untreated hearing loss. Four Calgary locations, Shaughnessy, University District, Northwest in the Crowfoot Business Center and North Hill Professional Offices. If you feel like you're having issues with your hearing, visit one of their four Calgary locations for evaluation. A 2022 Chamber of Commerce Professional Service Excellent Award winner. Uh, follow them on Twitter at the hearing at the hearing loss. And this is a personal plea for me to other waterfowl hunters. If you've been hunting your whole life with a shotgun but not using hearing, hearing protection, please go in and get your ears checked because you might be missing part of the, the spectrum of what you're supposed to hear. All right, we looked at last night. Let's look at tonight. Uh, Tampa Bay in Toronto, the Maple Leafs up three games to one. Now, Leafs won the last two games. In overtime, the last game was their miraculous come-from-behind 4-1 third-period victory, again, in OT. Um, you know, they lost, they got their doors blown off in game one. Uh, that's the only victory in this game uh, series so far for Tampa Bay. Vasilevsky, who I think has been the best uh, goaltender uh, in the world for the last four or five years, has looked average in this series. Four games. 856 save percentage. That's not what you're expecting. Now, on the other side, Samsonov, no scream in hell himself. 876 save percentage. But look at that. Mitch Marner, 10 points. Okay? Matthews, 7 points. Nylander, 7 points. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, speaking of pickups, 7 points. But it's Marner, it's Matthews, it's Nylander. If, if, and I'm saying if, you bought into any of that soap opera that surrounds that team at the beginning of the year, every year, uh, about Kyle Dubas going out and getting Matt Murray and Samsonov as his goaltenders. They Did they do enough up top? Now, they were able to move things around and add Ryan O'Reilly, and he has been terrific for them. No doubt about it. Um, but you look at Mark Giordano, and we know him so well here in Calgary. He's playing like he's 10 years younger. He's giving everything. He knows it. T.J. Brody, uh, I've always had a soft spot for T.J. Brody. He's playing really well. This is demon exercising time, or is it? Is this 
when the bottom falls out on Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple laughs. Go back to 2012 in Boston, Game 7. Up 4-1 on the Bruins, and they lost it. They lost it. Yeah, this isn't that. I think, I think, honestly, I think Tampa's beat up. I think they're tired. You heard Retro talk about it. You heard about, you know, how hard it is to win, how hard it is to play in these series. And they've been there three years in a row. They won twice and went to the finals last year. They, you know, they keep losing pieces. They keep adding where they can, but they keep losing. They do a great job there. I don't think they're disappearing. But unless Andre Vasilevsky starts giving them 950 save percentage, like he has in the past, well, not 950, but you know what I mean, this series is going to end tonight. Um, if Vasilevsky comes out, spins on his head, and spits wooden nickels, and Toronto can't get anything by him, and it goes back to Tampa, yeah, I can see some historical jitters in on the uh, on the on the Maple Leafs, but I, I don't know. I, I just think coming home, Maple Leafs have had to deal with this. I, I don't think they're out of the woods. I think winning one series, and that's all everybody's been asking, just win one series. Okay, they win one series. Yeah, they're going to have to duplicate that. Um, but it just Things are going the Maple Leafs way in a way that things don't normally go the Maple Leafs way. Uh, the Rangers Devils, Mia culpa, Mia culpa. All right, this is the dude who, after two games, declared the New Jersey Devils completely unfit, unfit for the NHL playoffs. Good and young, be better next year. Got to learn to lose. That's what you got to do because that's what you do in the NHL playoffs. You learn to lose. Well, all they did is go into Madison Square Garden. Dougie Hamilton gets the overtime winner in game uh, three, and then they get another win in game four. Series is tied at two, but you look at this. All of this is on the back of Akira Schmidt, uh, who has come in. There's 966 save percentage for the kid. Look at that. Where did he come from? Who is he? We were not waiting for him. He wasn't the American Hockey League goalie of the year. No, that's Dustin Wolf. Well, let's go back. What I, it's, it's, not a, it's not an even path. Not a lot of kids jump from the USHL directly into pro hockey. It is a feeder lead to college, but that's what he did. He came out of the USHL. He went into the American Hockey League, played in a couple of spots. Numbers were okay in Utica. 9-11 save percentage. This year, uh, spent 18 games up. So he's got he's not wide-eyed and rookie. He was in, the, but they had injuries. He was, you know, if their goal, Vancheck and, and Blackwood, or is it Blackwood? Ah, uh, crap. I've forgotten my New Jersey Devils goalies. But let's go with the fact that he wasn't one of them. But he got some games because of the injuries. Look at his numbers in the American Hockey League. 23 games, 2.62. Good, 9.05 save percentage. All right. Okay, this kid is like he's on the, you know, league minimum two-year, two-way. 22 years old. You love this story. You love this story. These kids that come out of nowhere. And he's done that. Two games, 966. uh, Fifth round pick back in 2018. You got to love when this happens. Anyway, completely wrong. I have no problem admitting I'm completely wrong. There's other guys on this network that won't admit they're wrong. I was wrong. I thought this series would be over. I did not think they needed to keep the ice in in Newark. But clearly, 
Good for them for not listening to me. Uh, and elsewhere, uh, Vancouver, or Vancouver, Winnipeg in Vegas. Uh, Vegas starts with a V. Vancouver starts with a V. That's where it all broke down there, folks. Um, anyway, Vegas up three games to one in that series. Uh, Winnipeg without Morrissey, um, Shifley, uh, just some terrible injuries. Um, you know, I, it goes back to game three, trailing, rallying, but losing in overtime. You know, the ifs, whats, buts, couldas, shouldas, wouldas, all of those sort of things. I don't see a path forward in Vegas tonight for Winnipeg outside of one, which is always there, and that's Connor Hellebuck. Because Connor Hellebuck's a hell of a goalie. He just is. He's really, really, really good. And I think he can steal you a game. And... If this thing is going to go to a sixth game and come back to Winnipeg, it's going to have to go through Connor Hellebuck. That's the only way this happens. It's the only way it happens. Um, And if it doesn't, then perhaps the Winnipeg Jets would like to join you golfing at St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. Championship golf course, casino, spa, and restaurants. Mountains surrounding you in all directions. It's time to discover or rediscover St. Eugene Golf Course, or Golf Resort and Casino. Get your golf game in gear with their Spring Swing Golf Package. Starting at just 259 you and a friend can enjoy one night uh, at the hotel, one round of golf, including power cart. Spring Swing is available uh, right now, up until May 17th. So we have until May 17th to take advantage of it. Don't miss out on this limited-time offer. Book your package today. Call them. Make your reservation. They look forward to seeing you on the course. That's sainteugene.ca and Twitter and Instagram at St. Eugene Resort. Holy cow. People love this show. They're putting their name all over it, as they should. As they should. By the way, a special edition of Barn Burner tomorrow. This one you're going to want to tune in for. Uh, coming up at 10.45 uh, a.m. if you're streaming it live or the podcast immediately following. Uh, special edition of Barn Burner tomorrow. By the way, we are live in the Tyler, uh, Tower Chrysler uh, studio. Yeah, you can see it, right? Right there. Look at those trucks. Look at those Jeeps. You should see the ones that boys drive around. Whew! Fancy. All right, let's wrap it up with Friday's schedule because that'll be the rest of the playoff matchups. Carolina. Uh, taking on the New York Islanders, uh, up three games to two. The Islanders staving off elimination with a road win. Um, Carolina, to me, uh, is just a superior team. But the Islanders are scrappy. They've gotten absolutely uh, nothing from their big, um, you know, transition or uh, from their big transaction, Bo Horvat. Um, but Brock Nelson, Kyle Palmieri, they've been chipping in. There's there's more there. Like there's, I think there's a more more with the Islanders, but I also think that Carolina is a, a, a very 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 good team. Uh, and the only other series we haven't talked about that is tomorrow. And I'll get to the other two that we have. Uh, well, you know we're we're punting one too. We'll get to Edmonton and LA in a second. Uh, Dallas at Minnesota. Dallas tomorrow night will travel to Minnesota. Uh, I believe uh, up in that series three games to two. Is, is what we've got. Three games to two. Um, how about Rupe Hints? That, that's a pretty impressive line, isn't it? Isn't it? Four goals, seven assists. Uh, oh, look at that. 
just happens to be leading the entire National Hockey League. So if you are in the barn burner kid sport hockey pool and you have Rupe Hints on your team, you're probably laughing. Um, Evan Bouchard would be the other one for me that's a little bit of a, uh, you know, an outlier. Taylor Hall, we talked about him before. But Rupe, how about that? Um, Dallas, by the way, considerably better than last year when they lost to the Flames in seven games. Jake Ottinger doing what Jake Ottinger does. Um, it's Philip Gustafson's team in Minnesota. Minnesota, it was kind of what what Rhett was talking about about a half hour ago. That just used up so much emotional capital to get back in the race, used up so much emotional capital to get there. Um, you wonder what they have left. Uh, you know, no Kaprizov, which is, you know, not going to help. Um, and here they are, Ryan Hartman leading them in scoring with Matt Zuccarello. Uh, tomorrow night, Boston and Florida. We mentioned before, Boston up three games to two. Seattle hosting Colorado up three games to two. And then on, I believe, Saturday, it's uh, Eminen and the LA Kings with the Oilers up three games to two. That's the eighth and final series going back to Los Angeles. Um, Evan Bouchard, Connor McDavid. I just still think... Y- y- you had the Oilers. You were up 3 nothing in the first. You're running their show. They came back. You got ahead. But the Oilers, that to me, LA, LA has not been able to hold the lead with these guys. They've been able to come back on the Oilers, which I think is, is um, you know, is, it's there. Uh, you can come back on this team. But LA, with the offense that Edmonton can throw out there, just cannot hold everybody in check. Uh, you know, Andre Kopitar, he's doing everything you could ask for in this series. Um, I believe that you're going to see Stuart Skinner. I thought there was a little controversy about who's going to start for him. Well, well, Stuart Skinner got pulled, but Stuart Skinner's going back in. Um, thing about the Oilers right now, <coughs> you, Rhett, Rhett talked about it, way too much Oilers talk. The thing about the Oilers right now, I don't know if there's anybody in the West that's going to stop them. Dallas could be tough, sure, because they're going to have to find a, uh, an answer for Rupe. Um, but it does not look like the avalanche or the avalanche of old that, you know, would be more than a match for the Oilers. Uh, I, you know, there it is in the West. Vegas, mm. Dallas, maybe. Seattle, no. I just think the Oilers roll. And I guess if we're going to do that, let's take a look out east before we go. Um, and again... Jersey, uh, again, uh, that's the one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Toronto, as long as they win tonight, you know, they've got, what, a couple cracks at it. As long as they win tonight, three cracks at it, actually, uh, they'll be okay. Hmm. All right, time now uh, for Betway. Uh, We have a, a couple for you for tonight. Uh, for those who do partake. Uh, the first one, one of the pre-built bets on the Betway app. Uh, Mitch Marner, Nikita Kucherov, and Jack Hughes all get one point or more, plus 100. Okay? And the second and last one for us, in the Leafs Lightning game, Mitch Marner to get one or more power play points? <laughs> I wouldn't say easy money, but I'd take it. Uh, plus 115. So there you go. Those are the bets of the day, courtesy of Betway. Uh, And you see at the top, those are boomers. So don't worry about it, folks. This was not me. I did not pick these. 
Anybody that knows my history knows that they should avoid anything. These are actually boomers. So these are boomers, Betway bets of the day. I mentioned it before, coming up tomorrow, um, the boys are back. But before we go, back at 1045, but before we go, I forgot, we got tickets to give away. Should we do that right now? Let's give away some tickets, shall we? Um, the winner of the Cavalry tickets, uh, we are, we'll get a hold of you. We're going to DM you on social media. But you're going to the game. Congratulations, Chris Ainsworth. Chris Ainsworth, you have won a pair of tickets to the home opener. You will hear from us. We will DM you. We will get you those tickets. Congratulations. And again, this Sunday, 3 o'clock, should be a be- just beautiful weather, by the way. Um, I believe, yeah, 3 o'clock, 23 degrees is what it should be. Just a beautiful day for the beautiful game. Um, anybody else I got to mention, Jack? No? We're good? Okay. There's a lot to read around here. Uh, thanks to uh, Rhett Warner. Thanks to uh, uh, Tommy Wielden Jr. Thanks to you. Thanks to uh, Jack and Alex, our outstanding producers, for getting us on. Uh, I've been Rob Kerr, just hanging out, helping out. Uh, the boys are back tomorrow. Uh, I'm back tomorrow afternoon, if you're so intrigued. Just a game at uh, Streaming Live at 1 o'clock, podcast after 3. Uh, Wes Gilbertson and David Legg are our guests, as we will talk about the Flames offseason and also talk about the building announcement, which somehow, miraculously, we went almost two hours and never brought up once. Have a great day. This has been Barn Burner. We'll see you soon, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.